Gloucester Tales Series 3, the great Gloucester novel. Back in 2015, local writer Andrew Thorne ran the great Gloucester novel, a project funded by Arts Council England. Community groups around the city worked with him to generate ideas for short stories. These stories were then developed into a full-length novel called The Pride of Gloucester. Now, this series presents some of the original short stories read by Andrew Thorne and presented by me, your host, Jarek Adams. Hi, and welcome to episode one of The Great Gloucester Novel, a story for Halloween, which is called... Fear for Your Children. <laughs> so where did this story come from? Well, as the intro said, back in 2015, I was running a writing project with different groups all around the city. I wrote this particular story based on suggestions from a group of kids who were going to a lunch club at a community centre over half term. Obviously, it was the run up to Halloween. They were looking forward to trick-or-treating and there were spooky decorations around because the centre was getting ready for a Halloween party and there were loads of activities and games going on as well, uh, including bowling, so you can see just where their minds were at. OK, so we'll have a quick chat about the project after the story, but without further ado, and as our very own Halloween special, listener, sit as comfortably as you dare while we present Fear for Your Children. Every year at Halloween, urban legend has it that Gloucester's streets and cemeteries are stalked by Nick Pumpkinhead. And like any urban legend, this one grew from very humble beginnings. Many years ago, trick-or-treating didn't happen in this country much. It was more of an American thing. Your grandparents didn't go from house to house demanding sweets. They didn't decorate the house with paper chains shaped like skeletons or ghosts. They didn't even carve pumpkins. And when kids first started trick-or-treating, it was a very half-hearted affair. Competition for the decent sweets became tough, and it wasn't long before one or two of the kids started complaining that other kids had stolen their haul. Of course, what with it being Halloween, the kids' stories were exaggerated. The sweet thieves became gangs. And then it became a monster. Around that time, pumpkins started to get popular, and the films kids watched started getting scarier. So every kid who told the story to another kid added his own embellishments. First, the monster gained a pumpkin for a head. Then he got his name, Nick Pumpkinhead. But somewhere along the line, the legend turned nasty. Instead of stealing sweets, Nick Pumpkinhead stole children. And this is his house, said Trev, pointing at the darkened windows of the cobweb-covered building. No way, you're making it up. Yeah way, your mum and dad just never told you, because you're too young. But look at all those pumpkins in the front garden. Mickey stared at the small cluster of ghoulish grinning lanterns. Our house has got pumpkins outside it too. Not like these pumpkins. Every one of these is the head of a kid Nick Pumpkin took. No, they're not, mumbled Mickey, but his voice wavered a bit. Course they are. That's why we've brought you here. Because you're finally old enough to face the test. What test? Trev smiled a sinister smile. 
Whenever a kid round here gets to your age, he has to do a test. You have to steal something from Nick Pumpkinhead. That way you'll be safe and he can never take you. You want to be safe, don't you? Yeah. And you want to hang out with us, don't you? And stop being a chicken. Mickey nodded yes to both questions. So here's what you do. You've got to creep up and ring his doorbell and then hide behind that big plant thing over there. Then when he opens the door, we'll start shouting at him from here to cause a distraction. Yeah, giggled one of the other kids. He can't hurt us because we passed the test. Trev looked at his mate and winked. Yeah, anyway, when he comes out, you sneak behind him into the house and grab it. The thing I told you about. Then you run to meet us in the lane and you'll be safe. That'll be good, said Mickey. He really wanted to be safe. What happens if I get stuck in the house? Ah, now, come on, that's chicken talk. You know you're a fast runner. Trev was hinting at all the times he'd chased Mickey, all the times fast running had helped Mickey escape. You know what you're looking for, right? Yeah, the trophy. That's right. It says bowling champion on it. Why bowling champion? That's what he does with the Eds when it's not Halloween. He goes bowling with them. And the big bowling ball on top of the trophy, that's the head of the first kid he took. I don't want to do it, Mickey wailed. Shush. You don't want to get caught? Trev grabbed Mickey's shoulders. Look, he opens the door, you get in, grab the trophy, get out fast, right? Then you run for it and meet us where we said. Okay. Mickey crept from the front path to the house, but glanced back at the big kids who were waving him on, reaching up. He rang the doorbell and then scuttled around behind an enormous plant pot next to the door. Peering through the leaves of the plant, he gasped as the door opened and a gigantic pumpkin-headed figure emerged. "'Hey!' yelled Trev from the pavement. "'Trick or treat!' The figure lumbered forwards and in a flash, Mickey was in the house running from room to room until there it was, gleaming on the mantelpiece, the bowling champion trophy. He grabbed it and was out the house like a bullet, veering past the enormous Nick Pumpkinhead who lunged at him but missed. In seconds, Mickey was down the street and away. When he reached the alleyway, it was really dark. Trev, Trev, where are you? Trev emerged from behind a bin. Did you get it? Mickey held up the trophy triumphantly. Ha! Brilliant, cried Trev, snatching it from him. That'll teach him. What? I thought it was mine to keep me safe. Trev sneered at Mickey. Why oh, did the little chicken fall for the mean kid's trick? There's no Nick Pumpkin, as you muppet. That guy played against my dad at the bowls tournament and beat him, but my dad's a great player and he should have this trophy by right, so really that guy stole it. Mickey gasped. How could he have done something so stupid? Give it back, he said, trying to grab the trophy from Trev, who held it too high for him to reach. I'm going to take it back or we'll be in big trouble. Uh, I don't think I'll be in any trouble. Do you know why? Trev bent down until he was face to face with Mickey. Because you're the little squirt who nicked it. And he only saw you running off with it. So what are you going to do? Are you going to say the big kids told you it was magic? <laughs> no, you're just going to keep your teeny tiny chicken mouth shut. And if you get caught, you're going to tell him that you lost it, right? 
You got scared and threw it away. Got that? He stared threateningly. Mickey took a deep breath. You tricked me. You, you, I'm going to put things right. I'm going to take it back right now. Trev drew himself up to his full height. I don't think so. He gave Mickey a hard shove that sent him sprawling to the floor. And you're not going to run away this time like you always do in a playground. Let's see how honest you feel once you're all covered in bruises. Mickey looked round desperately as Trev moved towards him with his fists at the ready. There was nowhere to run this time and nothing he could use to save himself except... He felt the sweets in his pocket that he collected from other houses they trick-or-treated at before getting to Nick Pumpkin's heads. It wasn't a great haul, mostly hard-boiled sweets and cough candy, not what Mickey liked at all. But good ammunition, though. Ah! yelled Trev, flinching from the hail of toffees and gobstoppers. Then a half-sucked bullseye shot straight up his left nostril. Ah! By those! You'll have my eye out! yelled Trev, retreating along the alley, trying to bat the sweets away with the trophy. Mickey couldn't believe it. He was winning. He wasn't a chicken anymore. He felt in his pockets for more sweets. But they were all gone. He was out of ammo. There was a moment of silence before Trev peeped from behind the trophy. Ha! Not so clever now, are we? He ran back towards Mickey and lunged at him. Mickey cringed, preparing for a pummeling when... Suddenly, Trev was hoisted into the air. Looking up, Mickey saw Nick Pumpkinhead towering over him. He did it! He did it! yelled Trev, wriggling in the monster's strong grip. I was trying to get it back! Nick Pumpkinhead snatched the trophy from Trev's trembling hands. Then, looking down at Mickey, the monster asked, So you nicked this, did you? Mickey nodded mutely, but the monster still held on to Trev. But I know this young rascal is the real culprit. He gave Trev a little jiggle. I know he put you up to it. I heard him threatening you. Mickey nodded again. So why did you let him talk you into it? He said I could be in a big kid's gang. Please, please don't hurt him, Mr Pumpkinhead. Mr Who? Oh, yes. He tucked the trophy under his arm as he reached up to pull off his mask, revealing the smirking face of a regular man. Well, I'd like to put on a bit of a show for the trick-or-treaters. I'm really sorry. Yes, said the man. Apology accepted. How about you? He nudged the sullen-looking Trev. I'm sorry, Mr Eames. You know him? Of course he knows me. His dad bowls at the same club I do. He's a sore loser too, but at least he doesn't go round nicking other people's trophies. You're Brett Robson's kid, aren't you? Yeah. I know your dad. He's at our bowling club as well. I knew he went bowling, but I'm always in bed before he goes out. Bedtime's quite strict at our house. Hmm. Good idea. Trev sniffled. Please don't tell my dad. He doesn't know anything about this. Mr Eames frowned. Don't think you're going to sweet-talk your way out of trouble, young man, I think. Perhaps I've heard enough from you until I've called your parents and they've come to get you. Then I'll want you to be telling the whole story. Come along, Titch, he said to Mickey, handing him the trophy. Let's get you home. Trev's dad was already there after receiving Mr Eames' text. This one, Mr Eames said pointing at Mickey, was trying to do the right thing, but it's this one needs a talking to. Eh, muttered Mickey's dad. That's as maybe. It's far too late to be dealing with my son now. 
You go straight to bed, young man. I'll deal with you in the morning. OK, Dad, said Mickey, a bit confused, but mostly just relieved to be getting out of trouble for the night at least. He ran straight upstairs to his room, changed into his pyjamas, turned the light off and got into bed. He lay there trying to get to sleep, but curiosity got the better of him as he wondered what sort of punishment Trev was going to get. Opening his bedroom door a crack, he listened to the low voices but still couldn't hear what they were saying, so he crept down the stairs a little. Peering through the banisters, he could see Trev sitting there looking sheepish, while his and Trev's dads sat talking with Mr Eames. So you've been going round telling this Nick Pumpkin story to anyone and everyone, have you? Trev's dad was saying. Yes, sir, came a mumbled reply. Like an idiot. Yes, sir. It'll serve you right if we turned your head into a pumpkin. Yes, sir, came the mumbled response. Mr Eames chuckled. I don't think any of us actually have room on our lawns for any more pumpkins. So what are we going to do with him? You know, said Trev's dad, that old trophy is starting to look a bit shabby. You're just saying that because you didn't win this year. No, look at it. It's getting old and all the stuff's peeling off the bowling ball. You know they don't last forever. I think it's time we made a new one. And my lad's head is just about the right size. Fair enough said Mickey's dad, nodding. Then it's agreed. And it is Halloween, after all. The timing couldn't be better. Mickey stared as his dad, along with Mr Eames and Trev's dad, took in big, deep breaths and puffed their cheeks out. Bigger and bigger their cheeks got, and their heads got rounder and rounder, and then their skin turned orange and ribbed, and their eyes started to take on a deep, oddly triangular look. Dad, said Trev, his voice faltering. Dad? Then he screamed, and the front door slammed shut behind Mickey as he ran off down the street faster than he'd ever run before. Yeah, kids can be gory, can't they? <laughs> believe it or not, I had to tone some of their ideas down a bit. Oh, I can believe it. So was it all kids you were working with? Uh, not at all. Uh, this story was inspired by ideas from kids, but during the project I had to work with as complete a cross-section of Gloucester people as possible. Um, such as? Uh, well, some were organised community groups, of course, because they're easiest to get in touch with. Uh, the Women's Institute... Gloucester Deaf Association, um, there was a Muslim Fathers group, but there were also people you wouldn't necessarily think of as organised groups. Uh, one story later in this series was inspired by ideas from a bunch of retired RAF drinking buddies who went up for a drink at the pub once a week. So you ran a writing workshop in the pub? Uh, well, that's the thing. It wasn't all writing workshops. Some groups were completely up for that and had the structure to make it possible, but it would have been completely inappropriate for others, 
I had to kind of figure out how best to work with people on the fly because I was working with so many groups and they were all different. So writing workshops was one end of the spectrum and chatting in a pub was the other. And everything in between. Uh, sometimes it was like a game show. I'd have a massive audience shouting out ideas while I wrote them up on a board. And other times it was literally chatting to someone over a game of table football. Sounds brilliant. Uh, yeah, it was good fun. So we've got another story coming next week. Yep. Completely different. In fact, it's the one inspired by the RAF guys. And you can tell us more about the overall aim of the project, which was to create a novel, yeah? Th that's right. The end result was a novel for the people of Gloucester, inspired by the people of Gloucester, and it's called Pride of Gloucester. And, as luck would have it, our listeners can get hold of a copy by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Excellent. So, look out for episode two, Family, next Sunday. Andrew, we'll see you then. Brilliant. I can't wait. The Great Gloucester Novel is part of the Gloucester Tales podcast presented and written by Jarek Adams and Andrew Thorne. The Great Gloucester Novel Project was funded by Arts Council England. Thank you.